0: Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. And if you were here last week, you know that we're in a study on the book of James, and that study is not stopped yet. And then if you were here last week, you also know that I didn't get through with all of my sermon notes and I said there'd be a part two. So I hope you're ready for a part two. But that being said, I'll go ahead and give you a little recap of last week if you were not here. But last week we started off the section of scripture where James is telling us how we can live our life in a sense of orderly peace with the world around us, but also within our own lives sometimes. Because if you live in this world for more than two seconds and you are an adult, you know that there is going to be times and troubles. Sometimes these times and troubles come from people at Walmart, or as Brother Chip likes to call it, the store. I will always remember that, Brother Chip. Or sometimes the struggles come from in your own home where disputes kick up. Or sometimes you want to strangle your kids because they are so disobedient and don't listen to two words. Because you know they have this mentality that they have it all in their head and they know better than you. But there's a sense of struggle in this life. And one thing that I've noticed in my own life, in my own time with God, in my own studies is that what James was alluding to last week in in the first chapter of James, where in 19 through 21, he talks about being slow to listen, or quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It's in those three words that can unlock this thing called peace in your life that can make things kind of fall into place. A lot of times that could be in the world. But what I have found is the thing that brings the most peace is when I'm more quickly and eagerly anticipating to hear a word from God. Whether that's from a pulpit, whether it's from a podcast, but more importantly if it's from my own Bible study. When I eagerly anticipate getting to open up the pages of my Bible, Or in some cases, while I'm driving down the road and I turn on the YouVersion app and tell it to read it to me because I cannot take my eyes off the road. And how it just can hit you when you're eagerly anticipating something to come from it. And sometimes, Brother Jim will probably agree with me 100%, that word makes us hurt. And it brings a little struggle because it hits us right where the core of our matter is our struggle is because most of our troubles as james alluded to start within the core of who we are they start right here where we are struggling every single day every single moment of our lives but that's why it's more important that we learn to listen first to the word of god and let this be our guide point as James was talking about. And let this be the transformation so that we can be willing to listen to the world around us with greater understanding and a greater knowledge. Because what James really was wanting us to understand is that we're called to be ambassadors of Christ in this world. And we can't do that if we don't know who he is in the first place. That's why when he wrote the words out in his proverb-like manner, he was trying to tell us how that can work, how we can be the example to this world and that nature. But I think it's interesting, though. Life would be great if we could live in peace. You ever think about that sometimes? Man, if, if, if my cats would just quit meowing at night, then I'd sleep good. Man, if my cat would quit sleeping on my head, if you don't know my household, every morning we wake up with a cat on my head, <laughs> I would be at peace. Sometimes I say, oh man, if my kids would just go back where they came from, I'd be at peace. <laughs> I though I agree, that's not how that works. But the truth is, there's a lot of things in this world, if it could just go into peace and comfort, we would uh, be able to see a difference. But that's why James, when he was writing this letter to the church that was scattered throughout all of the Roman Empire, Asia Minor and all through various parts and areas where he was trying to encourage a body of believers that there's more to this life than just living in peace. There's more to this Christian walk than just holding on to a notion that his kingdom will come and you will not have to struggle. You see, James continues on, if you have your scriptures, or if you even have your Bolton. I highlighted it out again this morning. Where he starts going off in 22, where he says the words that we would probably despise the most. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Those words right there are not ones that you would want to read In the scriptures. Those words right there, we struggle with. Because people come into the church and they sit in the pews, but in all reality, I know that not every word that a preacher will say will stay in that brain cell and go out with you as you go into the world. Not everybody who opens up the Word of God can understand the the depths of it. Not every theologian who could probably verbatimly quote you the scriptures can understand what the context that James is really trying to highlight to each and every one of us. That there is a calling that's greater than just knowing the word. You see, I grew up in a church Ish, because I have to say I didn't really grow up in the church. I visited churches. I went to one church because my grandparents would go, hey, we'll take you to McDonald's afterwards. You said McDonald's, I'll go wherever you want to go. Let's go. Then I went to another youth group because my buddy says, hey, they got pizza, come check it out. They got video games in the basement. Go check it out. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. They got pizza and video games. What could go wrong? And I kept hearing the same messages over and over and over again about this guy named Jesus. And how they said that he died on a cross and that he paid my punishment and all these things. And that, that there was this thing inside of me that this sin that I was been holding on to. It was like chaining me down, but I didn't realize it because the chains were light as a feather. What it felt like half the time. And I kept hearing these messages and I said, where is it that you, you're coming at me with? Because, you know, my, my life looks pretty nice right now. My grandparents are nice to me. My parents aren't yelling at me all the time. I got a car. I got a girlfriend. and All these different things is what I kept looking around going, life is good. But then all of a sudden, something happened in my mind that transformed every bit of who I was to incline my ear to hear what God was truly speaking and what he's speaking to each and every one of us. But be doers of the word, and not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. You see, I have walked in this life long enough. I'm not as old as some of you. I am not as young as some of you. But what I've learned is the life that I've walked is the one that God has been preparing me for, for a message that I didn't know I was going to preach this morning. Because it's got a power and an implication that we can grow a little stronger. But be doers of the word and not only hearers of the word and deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man intentionally looking at his face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets what, uh, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all of his doings. Let me tell you right now, I want to stop right there before we get to the last little bit of Scripture, because there's uh, something that James is trying to highlight to each and every one of us that are in the church. And that is the fact that if we are only going to come into the church with this mentality of what is comfortable, then we're going to miss what God has for the possible. You see, James was telling the church that they could not be living a life of hiding or being afraid. Instead of what James was trying to tell the church, both in the first century church and the 21st century church, is that we have a calling to go beyond this comfortability. But pastor, it's it's nice to be comfortable. I want to come into the church and I want it to be the proper temperature. Comfortable. I want to go into the church and hear those worship songs because I want it to be comfortable. Better yet... I want to walk this life and let it be so easy because I want to be comfortable. I don't want struggles. I don't want challenges. I want the ideal life of what I have planned out for my own purpose. And that's why a lot of Christians in the church don't hear this message. Because they have this mentality if I'm looking comfortable, then I'm good because I just showed up. God loves me because I just showed up and, and I set the atmosphere. Or they have another mentality of, I'm good because I helped someone out this week. I saw this one boy and his car was struggling, so I put, oh, God's just going to bless me this week. You ever had that mentality sometimes? Where you're saying, God bless me because I helped one person. What about when you say, oh, I'm good because I'd worked my 40 hours a week and now I get to go home and turn on Saturday night or uh, Saturday football for college football. And then on Sunday, I don't need to go to church because I want to watch Sunday, uh, my Sunday ticket on my TV and watch how many different football games at once? But I'm good because I worked 40 hours a week. Or I'm good because I put a little fiver in the offering plate and God knows my heart and He's good. How about this one? I'm good because I came to the church and I sang the praise songs that they were singing because I read the lyrics. But can I just say, if you think you're good for just those things, you're missing the point. God didn't call you to be good. God never called you to be anything where you thought that you had earned something. If you didn't listen to the lyrics or even read them on the screens this morning that we sang, that Sister Amy picked out, I don't know what you're thinking. Because what I want to tell you right now is that what God is trying to speak through you and through this word is the fact that you have to hold on to the lyrics like, I'm sorry that I just went through the motions. I'm sorry, I don't want to go through any emotions or even just going through the motions every day. Every day I want to get to where my life is so set to where I'm focused on God that it doesn't matter what's going on around me. He has anointed my steps and I will hold on to him. Even though I might get on some shaky ground, I know I have a firm foundation on a rock in which I can walk and stand on that I don't have to worry about it. But that doesn't mean that we don't get trapped where we just go through the motions. We come into the church and we're like, okay, let me do the religious thing. Okay, let me do just the, the normal things. Okay, let me just get into it. But then we miss the whole other parts, like the lyrics say where it says, I'm sorry. Where I, where I sat in the church and I just sing another song. Because they're singing the song and I don't want my neighbor to know that I'm not singing the song but I'm singing a song and it just, it has no power. It has no potential that it's trying to unlock within me because I have closed myself off and I've just said, and then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great you are, God. But there's no power. There's no emotion. There's no, nothing that's being unlocked within your very soul, your very life that God is trying to get up Because what we have to really realize is that we have to get our hearts to where we're starting to look at God and we're trying to say, God, I am sorry that I meant to my emotion and and, and I went through my own agendas and I'm here for my own pleasures. And we have to acknowledge that what God is trying to unlock through his word is the fact that if we're not called to be hearers only, that we can't just anticipate just to sit around and listen. But we have to unlock what God is trying to waken his church up to. See, James knew what would happen when we want to be comfortable. Because we're fearful of what everybody else would think of us. The early church, the Roman Empire went after them wholeheartedly. The Pharisees and the Sadducees went after everybody that would follow Jesus with the intention to, steal, or to kill them all. I understand why they would be a little apprehensive to be bold enough to walk out their faith and openness around for everybody to see. And I think that's so powerful that the first century church looks more and more like the 21st century church as we have cowered down to the agendas of all of those around us where we think about their ideas and their premises and how they are right. When we are not listening to the word and we're forgetting about what it's saying and we're looking into the mirror of our own reflection and saying, where am I and what have I seen? And done and heard. I don't know about you. I truly hold on to the whole fact that this right here is the living word of God. And if this is the living word of God, it's everything that's inspired by the Holy Spirit as the hands of the humans that wrote it. And if he inspired them to write the words and their own understandings to give us the the truth of the struggles that we all have. What do you mean, Pastor? If God wanted to write a great fairy tale, he wouldn't talk about how David went and killed Bathsheba's husband after he had already did what he did. If God didn't want to tell us the truth about our struggles, he wouldn't have told you about the wickedness of King David's son and what he did to the concubines. And the depravities that happen in all of humanity, let alone how people have power struggles, like Nebuchadnezzar, who would go and, and look at the Hebrew boys and say, if you're not going to bow down to my statue, you're going into the fiery furnace. You see, what I need somebody to hear this morning is, life is a whole horrible ship on a tossing sea. Ups and downs. Good and bad days, good and bad minutes, good and bad seconds. But what we have to hold on to is the truth of what James is saying. You cannot only put your focus on the situation, but you have to be willing to hear with a quick ear so that you can walk properly in this life. But that starts in the hearts. Like the first century church, we see ours are the same. And truly what I see in this first century church as I've studied, that's the same as this current generation, is that what James was writing to was two different subgroups of church people. Pastor, what do you mean by that? He's writing to just the Christians. No, no he's writing to two different subgroups of Christians. You had the bold Christians who wanted to do everything for Jesus but were never listening to him. And you had the ones that wanted to listen to the word but they were too afraid to actually act it out. Doesn't that sound like today? You have a lot of people that want to hear the word but they don't want to study the word. They don't want to hear from God. And so they walk through the spiritual, aha, this is what everything is going on. But it doesn't fall in line with the word so that they're on one side. And then you got a whole bunch of people that sit in the pews saying, okay, I'll just wait till that person next to me steps up because I'm too good. This is good. I, 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 I don't think I'm good and qualified for this. So you sit there your whole life waiting for someone else to do what God has called you to do. Let me give you an example of this. This is how it kind of lines out. When me and Melissa were in our early marriage, after we had Lydia, we got a new apartment. And in the apartment, we needed new furniture. And this new furniture store opened up about 35 minutes away. Everybody was raving about it. Let me tell you, I pulled it in the parking lot. I said, honey, I'm going to have an anxiety attack before I get into the store. It's too packed. She said, no, 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 we got to go. So we start walking down the aisles. We had to go up to the upstairs level of this furniture store because it's so massive and we're walking around and we see all this furniture. She's like, I want this, I want this, I want this. I said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We got a budget, honey. We got a kid. We don't make that much money. Anyway, we get through the store. We go down to the second level where we have to pick out the the product that we, we wanted and the colors that we asked for. We take it home. Me being a man... I want to put it together with no instructions, because you know men. Ho, oh, ho, yes, let's do it. And my wife looks at me and says, ah, let me read the instructions. I said, okay, read the instructions. And we're sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, I see the parts. I don't make sense on how this works out. Because we had a coffee table, a couple side tables, and we bought some, some uh, lamps. And we're looking at it, and I'm like, honey, (laughs) I can't figure it out. I said, what's the instruction say? She looked at me and says, honey, I don't know what it says. She's like, it's written in a foreign language. I said, okay, let me look at it. I said, it's written in Swedish. That's, That's why it makes no sense. So we're looking at it, and I look at the instructions with her, and I'm like, okay, I see what they're trying to say, but then I don't understand what's going on over here. And it's one of those struggles that the church has. It's like my tables. The parts are there, they're all labeled, they all tell me what you are, but sometimes the instructions look so complicated that we get so befuddled with it that we don't want to get into it. Come on. But there's a process that happens. You see, this furniture company had this thing called a helpline. I couldn't read the Swedish, she couldn't figure it out either. So we're like, okay, how do we do this? And they, they're like, okay, walk us through it. And I said, well, if you got this, you got to put this screw here, then you screw the legs on here, put this part over here. And it took me 10 minutes after I called the helpline. And then I looked at my wife and I said, why was that so complicated? And she says, I don't know. And then the next table we had to do, man, Brother Chip, it took me two minutes for the next table. And then the next table, it took me a minute and a half and I started getting it and I started collecting it and I started seeing how it was being done. But see, that's what happens in the church. We've gone through so long where we've complicated this up so much that it looks like it's gibberish because we don't want to get into it because we've complicated it up and miscued and mismart it. That people don't want to go following after the Word of God. They don't want to hear the Word of God because they don't understand the complexity of it. But here's what I have to tell somebody. Yes, it's complicated. But it's simple. It's like when I tell people about discipleship. I said, everybody's got a formula of how you can do it. But what I've looked at discipleship, it's like building a coffee table. It's complicated looking, but it's simple. You see, what James is trying to allude to that the church needs to move beyond is this art of just hearing something that seems so foreign and start putting it into application by reaching out to the helpline and the source as we get connected with Him, as we pray to Him and say, God, show me that I, what I need to know and give me the wisdom to understand His Word so that it can become something in my life. So that I'm not just a hearer any longer, but a doer. But then there's a the kicker. What does a doer look like? Somebody that's just moving through the motions. No. What does a doer look like? I serve on the offering team. Okay, great. But what does a doer look like? I worship on the praise team. Great. But what does a doer look like? You see, this is where I love how God's word has so much more depth in it. If you do the looking and you start reading and you start praying. Because when words start highlighting, it's God speaking to you saying, Hey, it's time to take a little closer look at it. Because what God wants us to understand is the word doer comes from the Greek word um, poetes. And this word poetes is where we get the word poet. Oh, you didn't connect it. Poetes comes where we get the root word poet. What is a poet? A poet is somebody that has something so deep within them that when they write it out, it transforms lives around them because you can sense their emotions. You can sense the struggle. You can sense everything that they're going through because they've lived it out. See, that's what Paul, that James is really trying to allude to, is if the church wants to go beyond and get greater, it's time for us to connect with the poeta doing of our faith. Not just hearing the word, but letting it sink in so deep, so powerfully that he transforms us so where we can do nothing else but be his representative and his ambassador where we want to articulate how good he is to all of those around us. There's a reason why you are here this morning. There's a reason why God didn't let me preach this message all the way last week. It's because you had to get the soil set forth so that you could hear the message this morning that if you want to be doers of what God is saying, it's time to dig deep. It's time to connect with the creator and let him do the imaginable in your life. And let him transform your faith to be more like the doer. Like what Acts 17 and 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have done and said. We need to get beyond where we understand the depth and the, and, and, and the wonderfulness of the nutrition that happens when we connect with his word. Because then we can do what the, the poets or the writers that, 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 acts, or that uh, well, what's his face? Brain fart. Luke was writing when he says, for we are indeed his offspring we closely at hand is where Job chapter 12 says, and his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Does he not have an ear to test words? As the palate tastes food, wisdom is with age and understanding is with length of days. What, see what Job was writing out. Is that we have to live our lives with the intentionality to be the doers. The intentionality to be so connected with the creator that it comes forth out of you. But the church struggles. That's why James kept writing to the fact that if anyone is a a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man that looks at his natural face in the mirror and forgets everything and what it was like. I don't want the church to stay like that any longer. I want the church to start realizing that there's depth to your understanding that you have to be willing to get the shovel out and start digging into. There's got to be an understanding where you will walk a little bit more boldly with the truth and the knowledge that if he loves you so much, why would he surrender and back down from you? Better yet, if he loves you so much, why would you back down from him? Because he does not owe us anything. He doesn't owe you money in your bank account. He doesn't owe you a car to drive. He doesn't owe you a roof over your head. But he loves you still enough to give it to you. He loves you enough to bring the provisions into your life and the ability to listen to you when you're in your moment of need. Oh, if only you would do so. See, what I kept connecting with the scripture of was the scary places that we could get to. If we become merely hearers, where we start becoming like what Revelations chapter 3:15 says, "For I know your works, they are neither hot or cold. Were you either of these hot or cold? I wish so but because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold i will spit you out of my mouth for you say i am rich i have prospered and i need nothing but then you realize you are wretched pitiful poor blind and naked and i counsel you and buy you with gold and, ref- and try to refine you in the fire so that you may be rich with white garments and be clothed yourself out of the shame of, and, and cover your nakedness with his righteousness but you struggle too long in the reproof. See, there's a heart that has to get transformed, church, where we listen to what James is saying, where if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not abide his tongue, he is the deceiver of his own heart. The one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. To visit the orphans and to the widows and in their troubles and to keep one's self unspotted from the world. What James is trying to get you to understand is if you are so connected and so poetic in your understanding and doing of who God is. You'll start acting out in the nature that cares for others. The widows and the orphans were the ones that in the time needed so much more because they didn't have the provisions that would come forth. But what God was saying is, do it. If you love me, help those. But it comes from the heart. So I want to ask you if you'll stand with me this morning. Do you want to have a hearing religion where you're just doing the religious motions or do you want to have that pure, undefiled religion where you love God with everything you have that you will not surrender any longer? If that's you this morning, raise your hand this morning. All over the room. It's me. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to have to keep saying, I'm sorry, God. But I just want to start singing the songs I exalt thee. Because my heart's intentions are to do nothing but to please him and quit looking at my own selfishness and to see him move through me. I don't know, Amy. Can we do I exalt thee? I don't know if you could do that on the fly or not. Can we can we come up and play that real quick? I just feel like we need to start singing that song of I exalt thee this morning. But before well she's coming up, I do have one more question. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know what you've gone through or what you're going through. But if you do not know who Jesus is and he's not the Lord of your life and you want to make him so, now's the opportunity. And it starts with raising your hand saying, I need him because I'm a horrible mess and wretchedness and everything. And I want to have something new. Is that you this morning? Is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning? If that's you online, just say, it's me. It's me. It's no reason to be ashamed at all. Because what is going to happen, we're going to do, is we're going to say a prayer, and these words mean absolutely nothing, but if they mean everything to you in your heart, they have the ability to transform you in a new way and allow something to unlock within your own life. So let's all repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I need you. To be the Lord of my life. I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. In, need a In need of a Savior. So
1: today, Lord,
0: today, Lord I, know I know that you died on the cross
1: you died and you, the rose cross. The you rose from the dead to
0: purchase, my to purchase my salvation and to bring me to new life. To bring me to new life. So today, Lord, today, Lord I, declare, I
1: declare you are
0: the Lord of my life, of my and, life. I and I give it all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give a round of applause to whoever that was this morning? I don't know who it is. I have a feeling they're online. But before we leave, can we just do I Exalt Thee? I,
1: I Exalt
0: Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are the one that's worthy of all honor, all glory, and all praise. Lord, we thank you that you allow us to give you that exaltion, Lord. That you allow us to be the vessel which which gives you praise. But God, we just ask you to move on each and every one of our lives, Lord. Speak and empower to us the ability to get through each and every moment and every season of our life that we might see you through it all. Because God, what we need is more of you and less of us. God, we need more of you in our situations. We want to know you so deeply, Lord, that we in our innermost beings have nothing else but have that hope and that focus in you. God, just touch our lives. Let us become the poets of our lives that just exalt you in everything that we do. Let people sense and see you in every bit of our doing and in every bit of our action. And in every bit of our words Thank you, and Jesus. our choices. Yes, because God, right now, we just need more of you. Yes, Jesus. And let of us, less of us. Yes, let us become quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to yes, anger Jesus. and slow to every other emotion. But God, let us become more resoundedly focused on everything that you have. Yes, Jesus. Be with us, Lord, as the church. Be with us as we go home. Be with us as we get ready to go to work and and we get ready to go see our lost loved ones, Father. Let us be the beacon of hope, Lord, as we are called to be the ambassadors of Christ. Touch us, Lord, in this place and be with us every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Amen. Church, we love you. We want to empower you. We want to encourage you. But now is your time to go and be the church. Go love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go and be the church. Be the disciples and be the ambassadors. Until we see you again, be blessed.